When everyone was yinging, BlackRock yanged. This is like the holy grail of Bitcoin exposure in the TradFi markets, as far as I'm concerned. The benefit of doing that and the risks of just annoying the SEC or whoever are pretty low compared to the benefit of getting that thing approved and getting out the door first. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that, that voice you're hearing on the other side of the mic is ETF research analyst, James Seifert. Obviously, hopefully, uh, Eric Belchunas isn't too jealous, but we've had him on the show uh, before. So we're going to get the other Bloomberg ETF guru just trying to make the other colleagues that you have on the team uh, jealous by using that designation. We'll get them on the show too. But James, we've been going back and forth on this a bunch the past few weeks. Obviously, we're discussing the the BlackRock Black Rock proposed um, Bitcoin ETF trust. We're going to get into the the language there and the impact that it might have on the market and how it's different because there's some key things that I know your team has picked up on that I find super interesting. But before we dive in, I want to take a moment to thank our sponsors. Do more with your crypto. Whether you're a crypto expert or a newcomer to the world of digital currencies, PayPal provides a secure and convenient platform for your crypto transactions. Start exploring new Web3 applications with peace of mind, knowing that PayPal has your back. Learn more and get started today at paypal.com crypto. Terms and conditions apply. This show is sponsored in part by CleanSpark, America's Bitcoin miner. With CleanSpark, you can feel good about investing in the Bitcoin ecosystem because CleanSpark uses low-carbon energy for their Bitcoin mining data centers and is always optimizing their operations to increase energy efficiency and reduce e-waste, all while partnering with the communities they operate in. If you want to support the future of Bitcoin while also supporting the environment, visit www.cleanspark.com to learn more about the CleanSpark way. Okay, so I guess the first question I would ask James is this this filing, um, did it catch you by surprise? So I feel like most of the other ones were expected. Yeah, so first of all, uh, uh, longtime listener, first time caller. So thanks for having me, Frank. Uh, of course. Yeah, and we've been chatting about this a lot. And to be honest, this did surprise me. So it's there's there's a nuance to that though right like i always expected blackrock to ultimately file a bitcoin etf filing um ever since they partnered with coinbase which we can get into they they have some partnerships where they're using their pricing to input into their system they have they use yeah. coinbase um for any of their clients that they use that want access to to crypto and bitcoin more specifically so that part isn't shocking i just was not expecting anyone to do it this quickly um, obviously I've dug in a lot more. Uh, there was a CoinDesk article, your competitor of yours that, that leaked it or like the day of, it was, it was very, very well-timed. And I was like, if this is actually happening, this is big news. And sure enough, after market closed, we saw it did happen. Yeah, it did. And one of the interesting nuances in, well, actually let's go into the debate. And I think you talked about this with Pomp over it, that it was described as an ETF in press. But the actual filing said trust. What's the nuance there? Yeah. So the nuance there is that like ETFs all have an underlying what we refer to as a regulatory structure. 
So most ETFs that you're used to hearing about are under open-end funds underlying it, or it's what's called a unit investment trust. It's just like legalese, but it's really just how the legal structure of the trust or fund is set up. And we just call it the ETF is more of a wrapper. It's an exchange traded fund. It's really just says like you can do creations or you can make shares or destroy shares intraday as the day goes on and the product trades on exchange. And underlying that, there can be a whole bunch of different other structures. There's commodity pools, limited partnerships. Some of them are structured as C-corps. Like there's all these different things you can do. And one of the common ones is a trust or a grant or trust even, which is what like if people know what gold ETFs are, those are almost always structured as grant or trust, even silver ETFs. They're typically used for single commodities. And it's just because it's a commodity. Yeah, they, they're typically used for single just... commodities. Yes, exactly. Okay, piggybacking off of that question um what's also interesting to me is since it is a proper etf and and just because it's using the word trust it's nothing like what we see with gbtc this isn't you know there's redemptions there's it's it's sort of got the same liquidity structure as a proper etf which would unlock um you know that that's the sort of meme right that it's going to unlock this vast amount of capital vis-a-vis IRAs, um, 401ks, et cetera. Yeah. So there's a few things to unpack there. I mean, the first thing is like GBTC, technically speaking, has that same, roughly the same underlying structure that this will have, right? GBTC is a grantor trust. The problem is it doesn't have all these exemptions. You've People listening have probably heard of everyone talking about these Reg M exemptions that they want GBTC to get. Yes. When you become an ETF, you get part of beginning ETF is you have exemption to Reg M, Regulation M. Um, so like this mm-hmm. whole thing is basically them saying, we're going to go that avenue. Now, Grayscale, on the other hand, was like, knew they couldn't get an ETF when they launched it. So they just launched it at the trust. And there's all the pitfalls that we have with that, which we can get into if you want or not. But essentially, Grayscale is now... They already have the trust. It's live. It has assets in it. Now they're trying to convert to an ETF. This BlackRock filing is going, we're going to launch the trust as an ETF from the get-go. So that's the real nuanced difference there. Mm, Understood. Okay. So the other interesting is, is it it kind of, there's a lot of big players, I guess, that can't touch crypto. Um, You know, large asset managers, they can't touch spot rather. And so this would remove that impediment, I guess. Yeah, that so exactly. There's a specifically other ETFs or mutual funds, they can't really touch spot, right? So what they were doing in the past was they were actually holding GBTC in some regard. Some of them now are holding those Bitcoin futures ETFs. And this is like the holy grail of Bitcoin exposure in the TradFi markets, as far as I'm concerned, right? This is what you want. You want to hold the spot Bitcoin in an ETF wrapper, and you know that it's going to be held there. Futures, we were concerned a little bit. Honestly, the futures ETFs have done better than we expected. But part of that is because they launched at the peak of a bull market. Um, and in futures, you have what's called backwardation and contango. And I don't want to, we don't have to get too deep in the weeds, but essentially there are monthly futures contracts. So at the end of the month, you have to deliver the Bitcoins if you're if you're long the futures, right? So so like you have to kind of get out of that futures, go to the next one. And there's always different prices a little bit from one month to the next. And typically in a normal market, you're going to be selling at a little bit of lower price and then buying the next future at a little bit of higher price. And that erodes return. Um, so in the past, that that erosion had been very high. Like if you if the ETF had launched, the erosion had been very high. A lot of institutions came in, they smoothed that out. So the erosion isn't that bad, but there is still a little bit of erosion from the from the contango. But that said, they've been very good. But if Bitcoin goes into a massive bull market and what's called the curve steepens, so that jump from one month to the next month gets bigger then all of a sudden those futures ETFs aren't going to track 
as well over the long term. But futures ETFs have done very, very, very well tracking over days, weeks, even months in many cases uh, to spot Bitcoin prices. The other thing that's interesting and our our uh, our counterparts over at CoinDesk also found this um, interesting nugget is the fact that BlackRock's working with NASDAQ on some sort of market surveillance. And this is this is kind of, and correct me if I'm off base here, but this was kind of the 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 bugaboo. Bugaboo, is that the word? <laughs> what 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 basically the SEC had beef with, which was the fact that they there's no proper cross exchange market surveillance on spot venues. And that's why they could approve the the futures based ETFs because there's sort of there's market surveillance of CME and these other US based exchanges that trade crypto derivatives, but there's no cross market surveillance for Coinbase, Kraken, et cetera. Even though the argument's a little bit weird because, you know, it's basically a derivative of of this underlying market. But if they have this, uh, well, first off, can you explain? Uh, I don't know if you looked into it or not. That that element of the of the sort of proposal and the extent to which that might finally mollify uh, the concerns of of the commission. Yeah. So this is where we should spend, I think, the bulk of the time talking. Right. We can talk about this aspect yeah. of it for probably an hour and a half if you wanted to make your podcast that long. But I'll I'll try to be somewhat brief. Yeah. Um, I have dinner, but well, we can go right up until the dinner. <laughs> yeah, so um, you're 100% correct. If you look at any of the denials, which there have been 30 plus, 33-ish denials of spot crypto assets, plenty of Bitcoin. The SEC has done nothing but deny spot Bitcoin ETFs, right? And all of them, they've, yes, they've, they've gotten, they've gotten uh, very effective at it. What? <laughs> <laughs> they're used to it. They know exactly what they're doing. They know how to write those yeah. rejection letters. Um, so one of the things they always say in there, I think the grayscale denial letter had it 84 times the term surveillance sharing agreement, basically saying, if you can get this, but what, what the SEC really was saying with those denials and specifically the grayscale denial, I want to get into why I'm talking about that one in a second is they're saying we want a regulated spot market or surveillance sharing agreements with a regulated spot market. And then they say of significant size, which we can get into the definition of that, but that they've said repeatedly that's what they want in order to approve a spot a spot Bitcoin ETF. So they want surveillance sharing agreements or a regular or some exchange to come in and register. As you've covered, as many people have covered, there is no real way for crypto exchanges to come in and register with the SEC right now as it as it currently is. Um, so that wasn't really possible. So the only chance was surveillance sharing agreements. And I always said I didn't get why people weren't doing it, but they, they haven't been. In this case, the filing. So when I was originally on Pomp Show, that was Friday morning, and we hadn't seen the 19B4 filing. So when you file for a spot Bitcoin ETF, you file the prospectus. This is what everyone saw on Thursday. That's just saying, here's the here at SEC, we're going to try to launch this trust. In order to launch a spot Bitcoin ETF, you need what's called a rule change, or you need to file a rule change proposal. And that's what's referred to as the 19B4 process. That didn't hit the NASDAQ website until Friday, or at least I didn't see it till Friday. And that's where snuggled in there, which Coindesk called out earlier than anyone, was this, this they have, they're going to do a surveillance sharing agreement between NASDAQ and this spot exchange, which they don't name, but based on everything else, I bet my life that it's Coinbase. Um, so yeah, but the reason why this is interesting is because we, 
So the futures ETFs that were first launched didn't have to go through that 19B4 process, but a few afterwards did. And they had to issue- Because they were, they were filed under the, uh, the 40? Correct. They were filed under the 40 Act and yeah. what's known as the, the, the- Basically, it's called the ETF rule. It was instituted in, in uh, 2019, roughly, I think. Um, makes it easier to launch ETFs specifically under the 40 Act because there's less issues to go on there. But if you're filing a 33 Act ETFs, which the spot Bitcoin ETFs will be because they're not diversified, they're just going to hold one asset. And typically, a lot of futures mm -hmm. ETFs fall under there, too. When they approved the futures ETF under the 19B4 process, which they had to they had to either approve or deny, and they approved, they basically said that be, they're approving it because the CME is um, a regulated market with the CFTC. And I I was like, how do you consider this to be a market of significant size? We we can we can avoid the point that we all agree that approving a futures ETF and saying you can they can't be manipulated, but spot can, and they're not intertwined is just ridiculous in my opinion. But then they said the reason why the CME futures markets are a market of significant size, which there's plenty of other futures markets for Bitcoin, but they looked at regulated markets in the U.S. and basically said the CME is the regular market. So therefore, it's a market of significant size because it's the only one, which is just like kind of they basically backdoored their way in, which shows the flexibility the SEC yeah. will use and what they consider to be a market of significant size, in my opinion. It's interesting. So they can kind of move the goalposts to an extent um, on on even if we sort of have some form of surveillance, they can say that the market. But that's got to be I mean, that's got the you can look at other markets or rather other products that were approved. And I don't know what metrics you would look to, maybe just the sheer market cap of it or the the sort of uh, the, the sort of uh, the sheer amount of transactions taking place. But if there's been other funds approved with products that have an underlying asset that is not as large as as, you know, let's call it um, the aggregate of us exchanges in crypto, they won't really have a leg to stand on. I don't know if that's a hundred percent clear what I'm sort of getting at, but I feel like that's the direction that you would argue against that if they tried to move the goalposts. There. Yeah. So basically the, the, the thing is like when they talk about market of significant size, for the most part, people are like, the only market of significant size for trading volume in Bitcoin is really like if you don't have Binance, then you don't have a market of significant size. But I could see the SEC ah, got potentially it. going something like, well, we have Coinbase, we have the CME, Coinbase. And if you look at Binance, the dollar, the, the trading volume isn't in dollar pairs. It's in like USDC, mm -hmm. Tether, stablecoin type stuff trades and, and other pairs. Um, but Coinbase has mm -hmm. a significant share of the US dollar market, which some people have pointed out on Twitter as well. And You'll, you'll see other people saying it's not going to get approved. They keep denying them, which I'm not here to say like, oh, my God, we're, we're confident that this is 100 percent going to get approved. But we're way more yeah. confident than most people are that we think this has a real good shot of getting approved, partially because of the BlackRock name, partially because of those things we just spoke about and a lot of other things that we can we don't need to get into. There's a lot of nitty gritty stuff that isn't that great to get not as fun. But there's I think there's there's the SEC can move the goalposts here. The other problem is which we haven't discussed is. Grayscale's lawsuit, right? So Grayscale is suing the SEC, saying the whole process we talked about a little bit already is you approve futures ETFs, you're you're denying our our application, you're you're not treating like situations alike, is the the dumb way to say. Yeah, and 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 they point to that weird. Well, they point to the futures being approved, but as part of that argument, they point to what was the what's the random metal 
I I forget. It's been so long. Uh, the tank Tankson or something, yeah. or nickel or something, or it was something something random. But um, the, yeah, they're they're basically saying you're you're kind of it's an arbitrary uh, decision there. Um, well, what was the number though? Like something over five hundred of their ETFs have been approved, only one denied. Yeah, five hundred seventy-five um, to one is the count we came up with when when Eric and I were trying to figure out what the odds are. Uh, for approved. that seems like pretty good, pretty decent odds. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'll play, I'll play devil's advocate here. So like the, there's two ways I look at this, right? So either BlackRock mm -hmm. has some insight and knows that the sec is wavering. And on that front, the reason mm -hmm. I think the sec might be wavering and specifically Gary is Gary is a political animal. He's a politician first and foremost. Right. And based on that case, we were just talking about, if you listen to any of the, to the oral arguments, the judges really seem to agree with Grayscale, all three of them. We thought, yeah. we thought, when yeah. we going in, we thought Grayscale had one judge likely because of political reasons. Two might be possible, three mostly unlikely. And then afterwards, we were like, they might get all of them. We have a litigation analyst that said Grayscale has a 70% chance of winning. So Gary might be looking at this like, I might be losing this. I might be facing a, a loss here. And BlackRock might be coming in to save face and being like, look, we got kind of what you're asking for and you can approve it. And this way, Gary can save face and say, no, look, we did approve. Uh, we found something that could do it. So that's that's one aspect. The other side is maybe BlackRock doesn't know anything, right? Which I, I like to think they possibly do with how big they are and how well connected Larry is. But um, even, even if they don't, right, they have this spot trading market surveillance sharing agreement between NASDAQ, Coinbase, and BlackRock. And if they think that's a little bit of an edge, and even if they think that gives them an edge to get this approval through the doors, even if they think that approval odds are, I don't know, 20%, something relatively low, even though they're 575 to one, the benefit of thinking I might actually be able to be first, absent any, any other things there, even if you think it's a low chance of approval, the cost benefit analysis there is pretty simple considering Bitto took in 1.5 billion in one day. Gold went to over a billion yeah. in three days back in 2003. So things like this, they tend to get a lot of money on their first few days because there's a lot of hype. There's a lot of interest. So even if, even if all the stuff we've been talking about is completely irrelevant and BlackRock just thought they had this unique way to do it that might be able to skate by the doors and they gave themselves the 20% chance the benefit of doing that and the risks of just annoying the SEC or whoever are pretty low compared to the, the, the benefit of getting that thing approved and getting out the door first. Attention crypto holders. Moving crypto is seamless and secure with PayPal. With support for Bitcoin, ETH, and more, you can buy, sell, hold, send, and check out with crypto at millions of shops online. Not to mention, PayPal now supports the ability to send to and from external wallets and charges you nothing when transferring between PayPal and Venmo crypto wallets. Whether you're exploring the world of Web3 or hobbling on for another day, PayPal is the convenient and simple way to convert dollars into crypto. PayPal has your back. They work to protect your financial info and give you confidence every step of your crypto journey. Now's the time to make your crypto move. Get started today at paypal.com slash crypto terms and conditions apply. Here's a message from our sponsor, CleanSpark. CleanSpark is a NASDAQ listed company that mines Bitcoin. 
Basically, they build and operate data centers with tens of thousands of computers that help secure Bitcoin, making it more reliable and secure for anybody, anywhere to use. These computers require a lot of energy, but that's why CleanSpark predominantly uses low carbon energy to power their machines. But that's not all. They care about the communities where their data centers are located. They create jobs, donate to schools and community centers, and revitalize aging electricity grids in rural parts of America. They aren't just a Bitcoin miner. They're one of the most efficient and sustainable Bitcoin miners in America. Visit www.cleanspark.com to learn more. It seems like everyone went at the same time and not to get, maybe it was again accidental. Uh, maybe there's some broader strategy here or some more well thought out strategy. But when everyone was yinging, BlackRock yanged and and they were sort of, you know, when was the last when was the last denial? It feels like maybe just because the way crypto time works, feels like it was a year ago uh, or six months ago. So actually, Van Eck and Ark were well. Twenty one shares is a big ETF issuer of crypto ETFs in Europe, um, and mm -hmm. they partnered with Ark for marketing here. But Van Eck also they were all denied in the spring. Ark actually reapplied. Um, so Ark and Twenty One shares have reapplied as of like May. So technically, they've had a 19 before approval in front of the SEC in partnership with the with NICE, I believe. I think it's NICE. Okay. Um, but they don't. NICE doesn't have the surveillance sharing agreement with Coinbase. So ultimately, at the end of the day, NICE, CBOE, these other exchanges will figure out something once Nasdaq gets it. But right now, it looks like if the SEC yeah. is going to approve this, is the Nasdaq listed or filed 19 before rule changes that are going to get approved first. So that would be yeah. this BlackRock one, uh, another Valkyrie, I believe is NASDAQ. There's a couple others, I gotta look into it, but like it would go something in lines like that. And then these other exchanges would would come on board. And ultimately, which a lot of people are, are have interested in the space, it's, it's GBTC would, would, would likely have an avenue to convert if this does get approved at some point in the near future. Uh, whether it's three months after approval or four or whatever, I, I don't know. Mm, okay. So let's, I, I was thinking about the impact, the potential impact on, on Grayscale, okay? If this BlackRock ETF gets approved, that 70% goes to 100? Is that, is that almost safe to say? Yeah. In terms of that upgrade finally happening? Yeah, I don't even know. I, like, so our, our base case for the SEC absent this BlackRock was the SEC was going to lose the case. But like what typically would happen in that situation is the judges would be like, SEC, you didn't treat like situations alike. Go back to the drawing board and issue another approval or issue another denial or approve or, or what have you. It's very yeah. rare for the judges to be like, you have to approve this. Um, so I don't know if this person. So typically the way a 19 before works, and I don't mean to get sidetracked, but you, you kind of need to get how it works. No, no. So that's fine. Yeah. So the way it works, that it, you 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 apply, you submit this through the the exchange, and then the exchange basically sends it over to the SEC, and the SEC has to like recognize it and post it to their federal register and their website. This 19 before application, and then after that, there's like a ticking okay. clock, and it goes 45 days. Uh, 45 days, 60 days, 90 days. It might not be that exact order, but at any of those time periods, they add mm -hmm. up to all 240, 240 days. The SEC either has to delay, deny, or approve. Typically, 99% mm -hmm. of the time, they're, if they're going to ultimately deny it, they just delay all the way to that 240 days. So if anyone's been paying attention on Twitter, 
you constantly see, oh, SEC has delayed, SEC has delayed. And a lot of people in crypto Twitter were mm -hmm. like, oh, they haven't denied it. And they, they kept thinking it was a good thing. But really, if they delay, that's a that's a pretty bad sign. So um, mm -hmm. so basically, if the SEC goes out and just approves in that first 45-day uh, time period, which we think isn't completely out of the question based on everything, but it's somewhat unlikely, but it's pretty, pretty plausible in our view. Um, then do, does that court case become irrelevant? Because then all of a sudden the SEC has proven they are, are willing to approve spot Bitcoin ETFs. Does the case get thrown out somehow? Do they just side with um, grayscale, but it, what, it doesn't matter at that point? Uh, I'm not really sure. Um, I don't know how that, that litigation side of it works. We have a litigation analyst on our team, Elliot Stein, who's also on Twitter for anyone interested. And he's the one I talked to on this front. So he's the one who's given those odds the, and like how this is all going to play out. And the timeline for that grayscale decision was probably by the end of the third quarter. So at some point by the, before the end of September, we were expecting a decision. Have, have you given some thought, um, Okay, so so I guess just to tie a bow on that, when do we expect um, a response? When will we have further clarity as to what happens next on the BlackRock front? So basically, usually, so the first filing hits the NASDAQ website, and then it's usually a week or two before the SEC puts it up on their site. So then after that, mm -hmm. so we don't know. It's not on the SEC website last I checked yesterday. Um, so once that happens, then a clock starts ticking and typically they have mm -hmm. a 45 day period to approve delay or deny. Um, and most of the okay. time they wait till exactly that 45th day to approve delay or deny. Uh, theoretically they have gone a few days early, uh, but that's when we'll get an, an idea. If they delay, that's a pretty bad sign that this is going to get approved. Not impossible that they couldn't get approved at one of those other periods or at the final decision date. So the final decision date, mm -hmm. we put it somewhere around the end of February um otherwise we're looking at somewhere in um like august early august probably for this would be the rough time frame mm. but there's no way we we need to wait to see it hit the sec register because there's there's a huge gap in time of when that could happen but 45 days mm. roughly from that time period 45 to 50 days from when it hits the sec website and when i see it on the sec website i will tweet out about it i'm sure other people will as well and that'll start that clock for 45 days and we'll be watching. Um, okay, one last thing I want to talk about is there's a lot, of, you know, this is sort of outside the, the, the granular um, uh, minutia of, of how this whole system works, but I'm sure you'd, you'll find this interesting to opine on in, in any respect. There's been these rumors, right, about, about Fidelity acquiring Grayscale. That could be interesting. I mean, there's still business here. They're printing money on on fees. Yeah, so that I I saw those rumors on Twitter as well. I haven't seen anything about it really since. Um, but it, that would be very interesting, obviously. But Fidelity also already has a business, so I'm not sure how viable that is. I know Grayscale has gotten bids from other people. The other thing is this BlackRock, assuming this ETF does get approval. I mean, if you're valuing Grayscale, right, and you're trying to apply it, you Right now, you're saying, all right, they're collecting 2% for as long until they have to convert mm -hmm. to an ETF or something happens, they're forced to convert or lower fees, what have you. Um, if this ETF comes out, they're, they have like, they're, they're out of defenses for keeping that 2% fee because they're going to have to convert. Um, and if they don't drop, they're going to see even more outflows. So, I mean, to, there's two things here, right? If When Grayscale converts, all of a sudden that Bitcoin gets unlocked, right? Which, is, it, which means mm. it could, selling pressure, I don't know what's going to happen if people can take shares out of GBTC. 
Um, I would assume GBC would have to cut their fees. We'd expect BlackRock to come, I don't know, even conservatively high, 75 bips. That that would be on the high end of like where we think BlackRock might go on this. So for Grayscale to come in and then be competitive, they would have to drastically decrease that. So if you were thinking an ETF might be coming two years down the line, three years down the line, and you're you're valuing Grayscale based on its Bitcoin at 2% annualized for three years, and all of a sudden that gets cut by more than half like two years earlier, then all of a sudden that valuation's a decent bit lower. Um, but I, I, I'm personally not privy. Like I don't, I don't have enough context like we Fair, do, Frank, yeah. to like know exactly what's going on in the back end. But like from a financial valuation perspective, that's the way I'm thinking about it. If Grayscale's actually up for sale, but from everything I've seen and everything I've heard Barry say, I don't think he's going to sell unless he's absolutely forced to. Yeah, I think there's a bit of um, yeah, an unmovable object there. Uh, it's it's interesting. So if you look at the fees, I'm going to do the math, and then I'm going to I'm going to hit you up after I'm done doing the math. But I think it's something like so far, if you annualize it, 500 million this year. So if you put a, I don't know, I don't know what multiple you put on a business like that, maybe five x at at pico top two and a half right now, you're looking at a 1.5 maybe billion dollar business. But if you cut the fees, that drastically reduces that valuation. Um, well, that's just looking at fees for Bitcoin and ETH, uh, those trusts to be sure. But, but, but the point I'm, I'm getting at here is if, if you were to cut it, yeah, it drastically reduces the valuation. What, but what do you think the chances are of, of them doing that in like, what would you place, you know, is this a... They, 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 it's almost like probably a hundred percent chance that they have to cut their fees within the next six, 12 months. Yeah, I agree. So like, right. I, there's two avenues yeah. here, right? You'll, you'll hear people on Twitter and Twitter spaces arguing that Grayscale is never going to convert this thing. Um, obviously if your money, if your incentive is only money and you're not worrying about building a company continuing going forward, which Grayscale obviously is, they're still launching and filing for other ETFs. Um, they shown interest in launching any other ETFs from the get-go when they launched these trusts. They said we're the ultimate timeline is to convert these to an ETFs. So there's a reason these things are structured as grantor yeah. trusts. So I personally believe they ultimately will convert, but there's an argument to be had that they don't technically have to based on the the documents in in Grayscale. Now there's a lot mm-hmm. of um, vultures circling, I guess I would say, around GPTC and this massive discount. Some big hedge funds, PE funds are looking at ways to crack this nut and get at that discount. Um, possibly for via the courts. There's all these things happening, right? So there's a lot of people trying to get at that. But I think this ETF filing will kind of force their hand. Um, and I, and based on everything that Sun and Shine and anyone from Grayscale will tell you is, we plan to convert to an ETF as soon as possible. And when we do, then we will cut our fees. So like, if you take them at their word, and I believe if they want it, if like, they, they have, their reputation's obviously hurt right now with what's going on. Their fees are relatively high. Everyone's pissed off about the discount. But they were the first company to get these available in your IRA. They were the first company to get crypto on the traditional financial rails. So, like, they've done a lot of things. They've done a lot of firsts. Obviously, Barry has been a huge influence in the industry. Um, so, if they want to be a going concern going forward, I feel like they kind of have to convert to an ETF, or they're just going to have this really bad look, and everyone's going to have a bad taste in their mouth. So, I fully believe they're going to convert. Yeah. Convert or die. Yeah. I feel, Convert yeah, or die. You, Adapt or die. Yeah, but the dying in this case is unless they get forced by the courts is collecting that 2% fee in perpetuity uh, because they collect on the NAV, not on the price. So even if people are like, screw this, and they all sell out, 
uh, that trust still holds all of, all those Bitcoin. But I assume after some period of time, the courts and and people will figure out a way to to force them to open it up. Yeah, well said. Well, James, thanks so much for taking the time to join the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Like I said, long time listener, first time caller. So thanks for having me. We'll have you back soon. We'll get you and uh, Eric in once one of these things are approved. I, I bet it will be a frenzy of a day if and when or when or if BlackRock trades uh, that that first day of trading. Yeah, I uh, will be it'll be insane. Yeah, I've been uh, I've been all you know, I've been off the last few days. I'm helping my girlfriend move and. This this yeah. news happened at like literally the worst time. Like I was like, I have so much stuff going on in personal life, and I'm trying <laughs> to keep up and follow along. And a lot of less, less sleep than I was planning on getting the last week is all I'll say. Well, we appreciate you taking the time and and finish up that move, and we'll we'll talk to you soon. Thanks. For, thanks so much. Thanks, Frank. And the scoop will be back for you again with another great guest. Have an awesome day.